welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Service Combination Property Podcast and I have got a special keynote speaker for you today. It is the one and only Dan Eaton. Now I met Dan a few years ago now, three or four years ago now at a property event and Dan saw me selling the benefits of property investing and serviced accommodation and went all in and initially Dan went into rent to service combination to build up some recurring income from property but his main passion is development and commercial conversions and this presentation today is focusing on commercial conversions into residential with service combination as the recurring income strategy so please give a really warm welcome to Dan Eaton everyone Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Excellent. Good morning. Welcome, everyone, on the podcast as well. So uh, thank you, Kevin. Yes, you're absolutely right. I did uh, meet Kevin at a property event a number of years ago, and I thought, well, if he can do it, then clearly anyone can, right? Uh, For those of you who don't know, I was in the Royal Navy, and Kevin, as many of you know, as the property soldier, was in the Army. So I did think, well, if the Army can do it, then clearly the Navy can. So that's what I did think there. But uh, yes, so my passion, as, as Kevin quite rightly mentioned there, is converting commercial properties or properties that need a bit of work, a bit of love, and then converting them into residential, specifically to use as serviced accommodation as the exit. So I'm going to go through some things today around commercial conversions and some of the things that uh, you can do with commercial conversions. I've got a little bit of a case study at the end, which I'll show you about one of our latest projects. Now, I should warn you that when Kevin asked me to do this presentation, I said, yes, can we do it in July? Because I've got a new unit coming online, so I'll be able to show all the photos and all the numbers on that presentation. But who's been working with builders recently? (laughs) I'm sure a few people in the audience have. Yeah, so it wasn't quite ready. So what I have got for you is some photos of an empty unit that will at some point be furnished and will be running as I say. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dan Eaton. And as Kevin quite likely mentioned, uh, as we just talked about there in the intro, I was in the Royal Navy for 10 years before I decided that it was time to leave the Navy and then go and pursue a corporate career. So I then went into the corporate career, uh, corporate sector for 10 years, working for some big named brands, doing things like IT project management, business consulting, basically anything that was consultable, I would consult on it. And then the company I worked for would charge an exorbitant fee for the company I worked for. They would then flog me to death and then pay me minimal wages. I'm sure some of you can relate to that one. That's generally how that worked. In September 2017, I was introduced to Progressive Property and I came along to an event where I paid for some education and started investing in property. And that's why I say I met Kevin and uh, he saw the benefits of property investing, but also serviced accommodation specifically. And that's what we did to start with. Now, since then, since 2017, we've built up a multi-million pound property portfolio consisting of serviced accommodation units, new build developments, and my favorite subject, commercial conversions. Okay, we're going to talk about commercial conversions now and then how you can put commercial conversions into SA a little bit later on. Does that sound good? Good, right. Now, before we start, 
What is a commercial building? Now, there's a bit of audience participation, so I'll repeat it for the podcast. But what is a commercial conversion? Shout them out, team. What's a commercial conversion? Office. An office. Well, yeah, that's a commercial building. But what's a commercial conversion? Office residential. That's one type of commercial conversion. If you had to simplify it, what would it be? Really simple. What's a commercial conversion? Business to home use. Yeah, so you're taking a commercial property and putting it to residential. It's that simple, right? It's no trick questions. So let's go one stage further with this then. What's a commercial building? What's a commercial building? Shout them out. Anything where a business runs. Yeah, so basically anything that's not residential. Okay, so anything that's not residential. Now, I've put some commercial buildings on the slides. And I want you to shout out what you notice about those commercial buildings. Shout them out, team. What, are they looking, what do they look like? Squares, buildings, yeah. What have they got? They've got potential, I like in that, yeah. They've got space. What else have they got? Simple level. Keep it simple. Windows, yes. What else have they got? How do you get into them? Doors, they've got doors, yes. How do you keep the rain out of them? They've got roofs, yes. They already exist. They're already there. All right, so we're not necessarily messing around, digging holes in the ground, putting in concrete foundations, worrying about if there's a landmine or a Roman villa buried under our field. They already exist. Or a sewer, yes, or a sewer. We're not worried about those. We are taking something that already exists and we're going to convert it into residential. But why do we want to convert these buildings? Who's ever done a flip? Anyone done a flip in the audience? A couple people done flips. Would anyone like to share how much money they made while they're doing their flip? 30,000 made from a flip anymore? 40,000 from a flip? 100,000 from a flip. That's very unusual. We don't normally hear numbers that big. Yeah, there tends to be when I ask that question, the average is sort of 30 to 40,000 pounds. Now, we alluded to it earlier, but when you're working with a builder doing those flips, was it an easy process? Was it hassle-free? Getting some laughs from the audience. There's some shakings of the heads. It wasn't, yeah, it was a little bit hassle. Now, when you're converting commercial conversions or commercial commercial buildings, you're working with a power team. You're working with a team of experts. A team of experts whose job it is to convert buildings. Okay, for their clients, i.e. you as the developer. So do you think it's more or less hassle than doing a smaller build with a smaller build team? Who, want, who thinks more? Shout out more. Who thinks less? Shout out less? Yeah, less. Well, in all reality, it's probably about the same. Okay? I'm not going to stand here and say that there is less hassle. What I'm going to say, though, is you have a different sort of hassle. So you're not the one necessarily waiting at the building site in the morning to let the builder in or you know, turning up at site and finding that the plumber hasn't turned up, or that they've installed the wrong taps, or you know, you're not the person doing that. Okay? You have a team of people who are going to do that for you. So you still get involved in some of these decisions, you still get involved in some of these hassles, if you like, but they're a lot less, a lot less stressful, because you've got a team. So generally what happens with me is my team will ring me if there's a problem, and they'll say, hi Dan, this has happened, here are the options, here's what we've done, is that okay? And my answer is generally, yes, that's fine. So it's not like I have to be there on site making decisions and worrying about whether there's a budget for this or whether the taps were the right thing or whether the plumber turned up or whether the builder fell off a ladder again. I know how to build a fall off a ladder. Sorry if there's any builders listening in the audience. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people nodding their heads there. So it's similar effort to a smaller project. But what's not similar? What do we think is not similar? Profits. Yeah, the returns. Returns are very, very different. So you get much greater returns. So you're putting a similar amount of effort into a smaller project, having less 
you know, or more quality hassle, let's put it that way, and you're getting much bigger returns. Give me a yes if you like the sound of that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So you're getting dissimilar returns. Now, you shared some of your flip project profits there. So we had 30, 40, we had 100,000 pounds. Would you like me to share one of my commercial conversion profits? Are you sure? Okay. 510,000 pounds from this one deal. Okay. Who wants one of those? Give me a yes. Yeah, you want one of those. Yeah. Well, you could have one as well. You could have one. You could absolutely have it. Now, this is a care home conversion. And the reason why the profits are so high on this one is because we've taken something that's got a limited value. It was not needed. It was a bit dilapidated. And we've turned it into something that looks absolutely beautiful. You know, we've turned it into these new apartments, high specification kitchens, high specification bathrooms. We've dressed them, we've staged them, they look really nice. Now, there's pictures on the slides. Who wants one of those properties, ladies and gents? Who wants one? Give me a yes if you want one. Yeah. I'm sorry, you can't. They've sold. We've sold those ones, I'm afraid. Um, so you can't have those, I'm sorry, but um, there might be some similar ones. Now, when we're converting commercial buildings, what we need to understand uh, is that all commercial buildings have a use class. Okay? Now, this is not really that complicated because we'll, we, we generally pay an expert to do this for us. But there's a use class. And in September 2020, we had probably the biggest shakeup in the planning system that we've had for probably hundreds of years. Now, did anyone know that? Give me a yes if you knew that. A few people? Yeah. It wasn't necessarily covered that much in the media, because obviously in 2020, there was a lot of other things going on. Wasn't, well, there wasn't really a lot of things going on. There was one thing that going on that just sort of, you know, uh, uh, I suppose locked everything else down, locked everything else out. So September 2020, we had this big shakeup in the planning class system. Now, all, use, all, buildings in the use, all buildings in the UK have a use class. Okay, and generally this was broken down into parts A, A to, to D, and I'll talk about those now. Now, A used to be your things like your shops and your banks, maybe a small financial institution. It might have been something like a takeaway. They all sort of fitted into A. And then part B was all your businesses. So all the buildings that were businesses, so your offices, your general, your general industrial, your storage and distribution, they all fitted in that B class of the use class system. Part C was all your residentials. Now, we know about Part C because all service accommodations we use are either C1 for like the part, apart hotels or bed and breakfast and C3 for general uh, whole house SA. And that was exactly where this comes from. It's the same, same information. Part D used to be things like care homes. Used to be, well, not so, depending on the care levels, it might be C2, but it might have been care homes. It could have been things like nurseries, doctor's surgeries, community facilities, those types of things. Places of worship generally fitted in Part D. Now, in 2020, they introduced our new Part E, so our new Part E system, okay? And what they generally did was took the things out of Part A, some things out of Part B, some things out of Part D, and they put them in Part E and in Part F. Now, I help a lot of people with their commercial conversion journeys, and one of the things that used to come up quite a lot was there's this disused nursery or there's a disused doctor's surgery. Now, you didn't used to be able to convert those without going through a really detailed planning permission and community assets and, you know, a study to, to say that they weren't useful and all that sort of stuff. But now you, some of these you can because they've fallen into Part E now okay, and Part F. And then they also changed all the sui generis side of things. So they moved a lot more things into what's known as sui generis, which is in a class of its own. So nightclubs, casinos, payday loans, shops, betting, those sorts of things all moved into sui generis. Does anyone remember what a nightclub is, by the way? Has anyone been to a nightclub? Yeah. But yes, they're all now in sui generis. And they brought in this new E-class. And the reason they've done that, 
and it's quite exciting, is because they're going to give us a new permitted development right very, very soon. Now, this is not even in yet, so this is a you know, proper cutting edge right at the start of, uh, of this um, ability to do things. So they brought in this new permitted development, okay, which is going to be a class E to residential. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about permitted development later on, prior approval. But from, basically, from the 1st of August 2021, okay, so in a month's time, Anything in E-Class that was formerly a shop, or you know, in A1, or in A2, or A3, or D1, this is where those, those care, the um, nurseries and things come in, or some of the things that were in B1, A, B, and C, so your offices, or maybe light industrial, that's up to 1,500 meters squared, can now be converted under prior approval. Now, to give you some context for this, Prior to the 1st of August 2021, if you wanted to convert a shop under permitted development, you could only do it up to 150 meters squared. So if you want to convert shops into residential to use them as SA, you can now do it up to 10 times what you can at the moment. Okay? So you can now look at changing supermarkets into residential or bigger shops. So you can change those. Now, it must have been vacant for three months prior to applying for your permitted development, your prior approval. But that means we've got a whole new section of the market now that we can open up. Has anyone seen any banks recently closing? Yeah, banks now can fit into this because they used to be bigger than 150, which used to be a bit of a problem. So now we can look at banks as well. A lot of the big banks are selling off. Uh, HSBC, Nationwide, they're shedding premises all over the place. You'll probably find there's some in your town you can have a look at. There are probably lots of other banks as well. I should say other banks are available because it's for the podcast, right? But you can do that as well. So why do we want to convert these? Right? Why do we want to convert them? We talked about the profits. Why else do we want to convert them? Shout out why you might want to convert these. Profits? Yeah? We want the profits. We want the money. But how do we get paid? We add value. Now, what is value? What is value? Now, you can write this one down if you're in the podcast. It would be good to, to write this one down. But if we had a little bit of a Google search about what is value, as it comes up as a noun, that comes up as the regard that something is held to deserve, the importance, worth, or, you can highlight this, usefulness of something. All right? But if we look at it as a variable noun, the value of something is, and again, in bold, if you want to highlight this, how much money it is worth. So now we've got two sentences that if we put together, we've got how much money it is worth equals usefulness of something, or vice versa, usefulness of something equals how much money it is worth. So if we've got an empty building that no one wants, is it worth a lot or a little? Shout it out. A little. If we've got something like a high-class residential unit, is that worth a lot or a little? Shout it out. A lot, yes. And it's, it's that concept. This is why I want to think about this. Now, adding value is what pays. Now, has anyone read Secrets of the Millionaire's Mind by T. Harv Ecker? If you haven't, definitely recommend that you do. Because T. Harv says a lot of things in this. But one of the things he does say, which fits really nicely into this, is value is what determines how much money you will make. Okay? You'll be paid in direct proportion to the value you deliver according to the marketplace, according to the marketplace. Okay. So we want to be paid 
in direct proportion to the value that we deliver according to the marketplace. Makes simple. Sounds simple, yes? Yes. So if we take something with a relatively low value, turn it into something with a relatively high value, and therefore increase the value, that's where we're going to get paid. And that increase in value is exactly where we get paid according to that marketplace. So we need to take something that's really quite low, add some value, and then we can get paid in accordance to the marketplace with that value. Now, when we've got that value, we've increased that value in the property, there's two ways we can kind of get that value out. All right, two ways. How many? Two. So if we're going to release that value, we can either sell it. We can sell it, we can liquidate it, and then we're going to get some chunky cash. All right, some chunky cash, we've increased the value of some chunky cash. What's the other way that we could release that value if we're not selling it? We could refinance it and hold it, and we can have a recurring income. And this is where it fits really nicely into looking at doing commercial conversions into SA. Because okay, we're taking that building, we're refurbing it into apartments, if that's what we're doing, or houses, and then we're keeping hold of them after refinancing them to then get the increase in cash flow from using them as serviced accommodation. Now, there are two ways that we can change a building's use class. Okay, two ways. The first one is planning permission. Has anyone been through planning permission recently? There's a few shy laughs in the room there. Has anyone had a really good experience of going through planning permission recently? Uh, no, there's no, one, no, one, no one's uh, jumping up for that one. So planning permission is one. The other is using prior approval or permitted development. You'll hear, it, you'll hear it termed prior approval, prior notification, or permitted development. Basically, prior approval and prior notification are the way of accessing your permitted development rights. Okay. But you can do either or. So let's look at the differences between the two. Planning permission, run by the local authority. Okay, the formal permission to change something. So we're changing it from an office to a residential or from a shop to residential as planning permission. It's the same planning permission if you want to build a house, so you're changing it from a field to a house. Same thing. Significantly impacted by local policies. Okay, now it's governed by a national framework, but there are local policies. So your local council, your local planning authority, will decide what it wants in its area, and therefore will set around a load of policies and procedures and, and, um, and process to get what it wants from the, the long-term longevity of the town. Makes perfect sense. Now, as a result of that, planning permission varies very much across the country. Some councils are very, very quick, some less so, and there are league tables, I believe. So you can have a look online and find out where your council is in those league tables. Now, conversely, prior approval is legislation that's set nationally and is not subject to those local council policies. All right, the local policies, policies and plans are not applicable. Because basically what that happens with this is the government's sort of looking at the national housing shortage and say, look, we need to make more houses, we need to build more houses, we need to change more buildings. Just to give you some context, there are uh, basically we need 360,000 new homes every single year. All right, now, last year, we built something like 240. So we're about 100,000 short every single year. On the flip side, we have 180,000 empty commercial properties. Okay, empty commercial properties. So we've got a national housing shortage, and we've got a surplus of commercial property. So the government can see this at a national level. So it wants to make changes. It wants to push councils to just get things done, to get the, the developers 
changing things from commercial to residential so we can help sort out the housing shortage. The councils obviously, you know, want to have everything in a nice neat row and it wants to look like it does and whatever else. And sorry for any councillors listening on there, but uh, that's the reality. Um, now, with the legislation that's set nationally, it overrides those local policies, but it means there's a set of predefined things that can happen. So if it meets the sort of criteria of prior approval or permitted development, you can do the development. You can do the change of use. It's not impacted by those local policies, and therefore, theoretically, it is the same throughout England. Now, I've put England on there because it is not available at the moment in Wales and Scotland. But if you want to do permitted development and, and benefit from those prior approval changes that you can do, it's generally a good idea to either, either travel a little bit or partner with someone who is in England. That's absolutely fine. Do those. So using prior approval, basically, you know you're going to get the permission. And because when you put the permission in, or put the prior approval in, they have to approve it within 56 days, okay? You know you're going to get the permission, but you also know when you're going to get the permission. So you've got some certainty. You know it's going to be approved, okay? Now, you as a developer or a property investor like certainty. You like to know when things are going to be approved. You like to know when things are going to happen. Who else in your ecosystem likes to know when things are going to happen, likes certainty. Who else? Investors, absolutely. And I constantly get asked, what do investors want? What's a good return for an investor? And you're asking the wrong question, okay? Because it ultimately depends on them. So the question you need to be asking your investors is what is most important to you in a joint venture? Some might want security, some might want return, some might want a bit of both, okay? Generally, if it's a new investor, they'll want everything. Uh, you know, I want a first charge, I want uh, a million percent return, and I want it, you know, and it's just, you know, there's a reality check there. But you need to talk to your investors, you need to ask them what they want from their investments, okay? Because it will be very different depending on what they're, what they are, where they are in their journeys. So that's a bit about commercial conversions and how you can do those types of deals. Now, we're going to talk about how we can put them into service accommodation. So who wants to hear a case today? Give me a yes. So here we go. This is the one I wanted to show you as being complete and up and running and lots of booking numbers, but uh, it's not quite there yet. Now, interestingly enough, we mentioned earlier working with builders, you get less hassle. When you're working with builders on commercial conversions, generally they pay you if they're late. Who likes the sound of that? Yeah, so they generally will pay you in, when they are late. But this is a little shop, and some of you might have seen this before, but a little shop in the center of Cheltenham, uh, down the high street, and it was a TV repair shop. Okay, has anyone been to a TV repair shop recently? Uh, no, I'm getting a lot of no's from the audience, no. Uh, this gentleman had been running this TV shop repair shop since about 1978. He was an owner-occupier, and honestly, when you went in, it was like a museum. It was brilliant. You know, stacked floor to ceiling, there was valves, there was TVs, there was radio equipment, there was all sorts of things. Now, ironically, despite the fact this was an electronics-type business, electronics repair shop, the shop only had one working socket, a double socket, and one light. All right, that's what it had. It had the light above his desk and where the double socket was. And the double socket, he had the radio in, so you know, he was listening to the radio, and a heater if it was cold. And if he was fixing someone's equipment, I'm not sure which one he had to switch out to try and test the other equipment. But that's how it was. It was a very dilapidated shop. In fact, just to give you an idea, when we actually got the keys for this, I went down to the shop. And I didn't realize that there's actually a bathroom on the back, which no one had ever been in because we didn't know it was there. It was just like you know, covered in stuff. But there's actually a bathroom in the back that we didn't know about. So we did look at getting capital allowances on this. So we asked the capital allowance surveyor to have a look at it. 
And because it was so dilapidated and had one working electric switch and one working light switch, it wasn't worth claiming the capital allowances on because there was nothing in it. <laughs> so, uh, so we had a, a very interesting discussion about plant and machinery with the solicitors. We had a very interesting discussion with the capital allowance surveyor. And in the end, we didn't bother putting capital allowance on this because there was no value in it. Now, had it been a fully functional shop, then we definitely would have looked at doing the capital allowances claim on this property. Okay. So make sure you're having a look at those. So here it is. And what we did is we put in our uh, prior approval to convert it into three flats. And then we realized actually out the back was a bit of space and on top was a bit of space. So we augmented that with a planning to put on the top and out the back. Now this is in a good area where they're good council, so they were pretty good at coning around this, this quite quickly. Uh, in the end, it only took four months from starting to the finish, so it wasn't too bad at all. And it now looks a little bit like this. Now this is where I was going to show you lots of photos of a beautiful presented serviced accommodation unit. But unfortunately, for those on the podcast, what you can't see is all we have here is a beautifully empty, lovely-looking property with a couple of feature walls. And that's as far as we've got with this one. But next week, that will be furnished because we only got the keys for this on Friday. Okay, we've got the keys for this on Friday. So five flats. The concept behind this one is we'll have three as, as buy-to-let and two as service accommodation. And I'll come on to that why in the numbers in a second. So here it is. Purchase price, £192,500. Okay. Development cost 455,000. Those were the costs associated with this development, and we used a mixture of bridge, uh, no, we used a mixture of development finance and private investor finance. Okay? So the, the development finance covered pretty much all of the development and half of the purchase. So we had to find about 100,000 pounds to make this deal work. Okay? So 100,000 pounds for five flats. Who likes the sound of that? Yeah? That's the power of this. So we've got flats two, three, and four as single buy-to-lets, which gives us a rental of £2,075 a month. Now, they moved in, so the actual numbers. Okay? We're going through the remortgage at the moment, and it's looking at £1,805 a month. So from those three flats, what have I done? Covered the mortgage, yeah, and some. Bit of time for, for maintenance and things like that. Now, flats five and one will be put on as serviced accommodation. Now, the forecast profit from those is £2,100 a month. Now, I know that because we've got building around the corner, so I've got data that I can use to create that forecast. But if I've covered the mortgage on the other three, what have I got, effectively? Two, two free flats to use as service accommodation, so I can maximize the rental income, maximize the profit from those. But that's not all, is it? Because that's just the profit to the owner of the building. What else have I got that I'm going to be using here? Now, so SA, service accommodations. This is the owner. This is the owner. What does the owner of the building need to do SA? An SA management company. Yeah, who's that? Me. So I'm the owner, but also the SA management company. So my SA management company is probably going to get about £1,000 a month from this deal. All right, which gives us some nice totals if we look at it. So our profits from this one deal, this small dilapidated shop, this small shop that no one really wanted, the owner was retiring. We've got about £200 from the rentals after the mortgage. We've got the SA to the landlord, which is me, £2,100. And then we've got SA management, which is me, £1,000. That gives us a total of £3,300 a month net profit from one deal. No money in, no money left there, investor money to start with. I mean, how, many, you know, how much do you want this to be any better? Who would like some of that? Yes. Yeah, that's why commercial conversions to SA are so cool. 
Okay, thanks very much for that, Dan. Really interesting, useful presentation, benefits of commercial conversions into Resi, but with service combination as the end value. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how might they do that? Yes, more than happy for people to reach out. The best way would be to uh, send an email to info at pivotal-point-group.co.uk. Cool. And once more? <laughs> That's info at pivotal-point-group.co.uk. Awesome. Thanks very much, Dan. Round of applause, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.